so I want to ask a question this morning in regards to your work. How many of you are employed? Just raise your hand. Uh, all right, uh, so the most of us, all right. How many of you, if you aren't employed, you used to be employed, all right? All right, and how many of you um, uh, have never been employed, never had a job in your life, all right? So some of the younger, and uh, how many of you moms have been homemakers, all right? Uh, all right, instead of working outside of the home, but you're working in the house. All right, very good. Well, uh, let me ask you this. So that should include just about every one of us except a few uh, students that maybe haven't had a job yet. How many of you, be honest, like your job? All right, just raise your hand, all right, if you like your job. All right, okay. Well, you're beating the average because the average person in America, in fact, 70%, this is a few years back, that of people that were polled said that they did not like their job. And out of that 70%, 90% of those in the same poll said that they did not want to get out of bed on Monday morning to go to work. Now, let's be honest. How many have ever felt that before? You hate getting out of bed, especially on Monday morning or whenever your work week starts. Well, this morning, as we move into 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to see that God is not only concerned with our prayer, with our reading of his word, with our worship, and I would call our worship our singing. He's not only worshiped in those, or wor- interested in those things. God is concerned with our work. He's concerned with our ability to get up and do a job. And he's concerned with the way in which we perform our duties. Now, I love today's message, today's passage. It's been a life set of verses for me. The idea of working, working hard, providing, working is unto the Lord, uh, employment, uh, our jobs. Um, It's a very practical section of Scripture with some incredible, uh, really great applications. And uh, I want you to know that if you spend time with me just driving down the road or running down, uh, you know, in the woods or if spending time around a campfire um, or riding a bike or just if you're spending time with me and we're not doing something specific, I guarantee you at some point you will have heard some of the things that we're going to talk about today in, in regards to work. I've spent a lot of time with students talking about work and what's next. I've talked with a lot of you that are in your jobs and talked about your work being meaningful as unto the Lord. And I want to start off by talking about work from a kind of a big picture that work is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, work is good. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we understand that to be productive and to be a creator, to be working with our hands, is something that God has created us to do. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Now, some people say, well, work is a result of the fall. That when Adam and Eve sinned, that's when work began, and that is not true. Work actually is before, look what it says in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and to take care of 
it. It's very interesting. It's not part of the curse. The curse, when after, um, after Adam and Eve fell, we actually understand in a few verses later that the sweat of our brow is part of the curse, but work in itself is good. It's a blessing to be productive, to do something with our lives. And I believe every young man and every young woman should understand this. Every student, every young adult, everybody in the workforce, and even those that maybe have finished their duty and uh, those that are retired need to understand that work is good. And until we take our last breath, we should be working at something with our lives. Otherwise, we might as well stop, right, <laughs> and, uh, and not do it. The second thing about work from a big picture standpoint is that all work is sacred. It's, there's a sacred duty. Whatever your work is, whatever your employment might be, whether you drive a truck or you're a carpenter or you work in a kitchen cooking meals or you're a secretary like my wife or a clerk or a banker or you bag groceries or you make pizzas like my daughter does at Mancino's in Grand Haven. You should stop by and see her sometime. <laughs> There's no difference between preaching the Word of God, which is my primary work, than being a dishwasher at a local restaurant. Whatever you do, you should do it as unto the Lord. Your work is for the Lord. Everything you do is in reference to your relationship with God. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we see this idea of work not just about making money. In fact, that's not the focus at all. Your job is where your faith is lived out. It's living out the mission. It's your life. This, this week, we're going to continue our connect groups. And man, we can't encourage you enough to be a part of one of our connect groups. It's so important. Uh, there's nothing more important this week, in my mind, than for our people to be together. Shoulder to shoulder, face to face, loving one another, caring for one another. One, about half of our groups are using some curriculum on Right Now Media, which you can get on even if you're not a part of one of these groups. And uh, the, the curriculum that half of our groups are using is Work as Worship. And really, as we move through today, and then as you experience that together this week, you're going to see some of the same verses, same texts uh, that are used. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting how God tied all this together. Pastor Bobby and I were talking about it, and we could not have planned this in, on our own. We're not that smart. But on the week that our small groups launch into looking at work as worship, that we would talk about work, it's really, I believe, the favor of God, that God has planned that. And what happens at work, what's important for us to understand, and what happens on the job may be the greatest opportunity to be an example of what a Christian is. It's not, I do my ministry at church, or I volunteer at the pregnancy center, for example, and that's my ministry, and then I show up to work, and that's different. No. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll look at verse 31 here, a very interesting verse that kind of captures this idea. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink 
or whatever you do. Turn to your neighbor and say, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I love that. Whatever you do, whether, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's two realities when we think about that, when it comes to work. You, your greatest potential for impact for evangelism could be at work. On the flip side is your greatest potential to be a deterrent to any kind of evangelism could also be at work. And that's why we're encouraged in 1 Timothy chapter 6 not to slander God, but instead to glorify God. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and this is our key text for the morning. I'm going to ask that you stand. I know it's just a couple verses this morning, but to honor God's word, get the wiggles out, whatever, uh, stretch, and um, however you want to do this. But let's read this. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible, uh, or there's Bibles in the back you can grab as well. Look what it says. It says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Some of your verses uh, may say blaspheme. Uh, so we may not slander the Lord. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and to urge them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how practical it is, um, how powerful it is. I pray that we would be uh, sensitive to what you're wanting to do in our own lives today. I pray that you just uh, speak very clearly. Use me as an instrument today. And God, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 here, I want to remind you that Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor who is pastoring a church full of believers in the city of Ephesus. When we look at these verses, these are intended for the Christian community, for the church to hear. And there are two realities or two potentials when it comes to work, and we'll get to these. The first is, if you work for an unbeliever, what should your attitude be? The second is, if you were to work for a believer, are there any differences? But before we talk about that, I want to talk about this slaves and masters idea that is seen throughout Scripture. Um, slaves and masters. Um, the fact that Paul is addressing slaves at all is unique to other writers of the time period. Paul understands that slaves, in this context, are as valuable as any master, and he, so he addresses them throughout the epistles and throughout the New Testament. Slaves are, are mentioned. It's important, though, to understand that when we talk about slaves and masters, these we're not talking about racial discrimination. We're not talking about abusive situations or some kind of social status class um, that, we, that we might get our mind around, these things would not be pleasing to God. That is not what we're talking about. Slavery, though, really has its roots from the Old Testament. In most cases, it described a domestic employee of a, of a family. That 
the slave would belong to a household. They would cook or clean or be managers, and in return, they would get housing, clothing, food. They would get money. You say, well, how were slaves acquired? Well, there are a lot of different ways slaves were acquired. Slaves sometimes were acquired by being a captive of war. So we'd be fighting and uh, they would become hostage and it was really the humanitarian thing to do to not kill everyone but to keep some and have them work for you. So they were conquering and then they were made slaves. Sometimes slaves were purchased. Foreigners would come in looking for work and, uh, and there would be households that would say, yes, we'll hire you and we'll take you on. There are lots of examples of that in Scripture. There are other examples in scriptures where fathers would sell their daughters. And before you think, what in the world, why would anyone do that? It really wasn't bad or evil, but for a time, a father would give his daughter, and many times that daughter would become part of the family that, that would purchase or uh, work with them. There are instances in scripture where the widows would sell a child or children to pay for the husband's debt for a time, and then even thieves were, would become slaves at times to pay a debt. And there was always a set amount of years, and it was predetermined, and sometimes it was six years all the way to, uh, to up to 50 years maximum was, re, was the uh, longest anyone could serve as a slave. And the point, the reason I kind of talk about that is because a lot of people were moving in and out of this relationship of slavery, what we would call a large part of the congregation in Ephesus were slaves in that type of with that type of idea. And Paul's thoughts with the New Testament, when you look at uh, all of his works, um, it, he would have said that this slavery idea was actually working well for the most part. Slaves had rights and responsibilities. They could have a family. They could have economic rights. They could even purchase property in many uh, occasions. In many ways, they became a part of the family. Like I mentioned, they became part of the household. They were treated with love and with respect and with kindness in most cases. You say, well, were there ever those that were abused or used it as an abusive situation? Absolutely, there were, uh, but those were less frequent. And where there were issues of slavery abuse, uh, I liked what one commentator said. He said it was always a heart issue of the master. They were corrupt or hurtful in some way, taking advantage. And uh, what's interesting, you can see some parallels within corporate America today. Um, the heart of a corporation or an employer or the boss, if it's tainted, then even a work situation could have some abusive things. But it's really the heart behind it. And as you think about that, the reason Jesus came to earth, what came here uh, to live on planet Earth, was to see hearts transformed, isn't it? That our hearts need to be stretched and to be, to be seen in a positive light. The point is, is that when we see slaves and masters in the Old Testament or really even in the New Testament, we can get our mind around that and apply it to an employee and employer situation. And that's really important to, um, as we continue here this morning and continue to look at these things. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1, uh, the first thing that Paul addresses here is that Christians who work 
for non-Christians should treat their employer in a certain way. And when I say a non-Christian, I'm talking about those that were not serving God, those that were not interested in godly things. And just for a quick poll, I'm wondering how many of you uh, here this morning would describe your situation that you do not work for a believer, that you're working for a non-believer, uh, a corporation, uh, something like that. Uh, all right, a lot of hands are kind of like low. I'm not sure why. <laughs> like, like, yeah, oh, and Pastor Bobby and uh, Pete didn't raise their hands. All right. <laughs> so, but that happens a lot, right? You're not working, all right, uh, for an unbeliever. Now, the danger is if you're a believer and your corporation or your boss, your employer is not, the danger is that you could think that you know more, that you are spiritually superior in some sort of way. Or you could get irritated by the lack of grace that your company has, or the lack of integrity, or a lack of ethics that may be seen in the business practices. You know what I'm saying? And you've got to be careful as the believer in that unbelieving environment that you do not become a problem for your boss. Track with me. Because if you do, if you become a problem for your boss and he's an unbeliever, Jesus becomes a problem for your boss. And we're going to see how that ties in. So this idea, you say, well, uh, how does that work? Or how would you win them over? And we get a clue to that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at what it says. It says, all who are under the yoke of slavery, or all those who are working, right, uh, should consider their masters worthy of full respect. The idea here is that you would respect them. And really, that idea started in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, that whole idea, and it's kind of wrapping up that whole section. And you say, well, I don't feel like it, <laughs> right? I can't. I can't get myself to respect my boss, or they don't deserve it, their habits, or they've caused trouble for me. Well, God says in his word very clearly that you need to respect them. You say, well, on what grounds would I respect my boss that's an unbeliever? Well, on the grounds that they are providing a livelihood for you, period. It's not about you. You are called to be self-serving. Or not to be self-serving, I'm sorry. <laughs> May get my notes right. You serve with respect. Our job as believers is to live it out. You say, well, my boss, you don't know him <laughs> or her. He's a jerk. He's unkind. He's unreasonable. And I want to encourage you to change your mindset and to see it this way, that God has given you an opportunity to be a witness in that circumstance. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. I think you're going to like this. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11, says this. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against you. Verse 12, Live such good lives among pagans, even those that you're working for, that though they accuse you, of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's continue. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake 
to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by them to punish those who do wrong and to, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Doesn't that sound good? Live as free men. So you're not saying, look, I, I'm free, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. And this is the idea, that as workers or as employees, that we are there to serve, to be a blessing. And look what it says after that. So live as servants, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. And then it addresses slaves. And again, this is specifically to an employee. If you're an employee, submit yourselves to your boss, to your master, to the corporation with all respect. Very important. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and enduring it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. I love that. The idea is to live it out, to be an example. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. And when you do that, when you live it out, you will not slander the Lord. You will not blaspheme God. So it says there, back in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. The way you work either credits the gospel or discredits the gospel. People will believe God because of you. There is an evangelistic, uh, evangelistic element to the work that you do. Isn't that awesome? Your attitude on Monday is important. Christians, I believe, ought to be the best, most productive, have the greatest concern for the business out of anyone else. They should be a a step ahead, ahead above anyone else. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Right after 1 Timothy, uh, we see this in uh, another place where it kind of talks about this. Verse 9 and 10 says, again, addressing slaves, but you can see this as an employee. Teach employees to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, right? Not to steal from them, uh, you know, and you say, well, you know, of course not, right? But let's talk about integrity, be trusted. Look what it says. And not to steal them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Where you work, where you enjoy your, most of your life, uh, for many of you, you have an opportunity to share Jesus with those to be a great employee, to be a witness. And that's when we move to verse number two. And I love this. Let, so we, we're going to do that to avoid slander and look at verse two in chapter six. It says, those who have believing masters are not 
to show less respect for them because they are your brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better. Turn to your neighbor and say, even better. This is addressing Christians now who work for Christians. And so it's a different distinction. And I, so many times I've heard people say, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome to work for a Christian organization or a, uh, to work for the church, for example? How many have heard that before? Or maybe you've thought that before, right? Sounds pretty good. Well, I mean, to be quite honest, we're all human. And even if you worked here at the Gateway Church, there's going to be something that probably frustrates you. But the idea is that if that's the case, uh, we, you don't show less respect or you don't perform with less quality you don't come with atti- the attitude that, oh, my boss and I, uh, we go to church together, for example, or we both go to church, uh, period, so we're on the same level, or brother, we're just brothers and sisters in Christ. That would be the wrong idea. You don't say, oh, well, he'll understand if I take an extra break to do my devotion, right? (laughs) Or if I show up late because the Bible study went long, or last night's prayer meeting was, you know, excellent, went to 10 o'clock at night, and so I'll come in a few minutes late. That would be the wrong idea. Instead, you would serve in those circumstances even better. Even better. If you were to do good for an unsaved boss, do even better for a believing boss or a believing company. In Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to turn there with me a few pages before First and Second Timothy. Chapter 6, it talks about slaves again. It says, slaves in verse 5, obey your earthly masters and respect and fear them and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Verse 6, Obey them not only to win favor when their eyes are on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. I love this. It talks about obedience. It talks about proper respect, about a a proper fear. You should not argue with your boss if they're a believer uh, because they're a believer uh, unless there's something immoral going on. You should respect the right of your boss to have you fired. I've seen it where say, how could they ever fire me? I thought they were a Christian, right? You've heard it. You may have said that. Or to cut your pay if you're not producing. They have the right to do so. And it talks about here being devoted, though, with sincerity and working just as if you were working for Jesus Christ himself. Now, this is where this gets personal for me. See, my dad worked for Ford Motor Company for 30 years. And I grew up in our house hearing a lot about his work environment. And in their work environment, and some of you are going to say, well, that's because it's union. And uh, there might be some (laughs) truth to that, uh, but we're not here to to talk about unions. Um, But listen, so what would happen is that uh, my dad would work, and there were guys that literally, when the boss would go away, 
they'd get the cards out and start playing cards. Or slip out the back door and go to the local bar and then to slip back in right before it's time to punch out. That, that's what my dad would describe. There were other times, my dad, he's working as under the Lord, that's the way he was, and uh, that's what he always would teach me, and that's what you've probably heard me say if we've hung out at any level and just, you know, uh, talking about work. But he, he would have people say, Dan, stop working so hard. We need the overtime on Saturday. And if we get everything done, they're not going to let us work. And the reality, my dad would say, is no, I'm not working for Ford Motor Company. I'm working as unto the Lord. And I've heard my dad say that so many times. My kids have heard me say that so many times, haven't you? And, uh, and you've heard me say that. Many of you have. And it's really modeling what Scripture says here is that Jesus is watching, right? And so we do it as unto the Lord. We're not working. You, you do not work for whoever is providing that paycheck. In fact, that, that job, Reagan, Mancino's, for example, is not the one providing that check. The Lord provides that check for you. That's how that works. And God has placed us in our place of work to do it as unto the Lord. And what's great about it, as we understand it in Scripture, is that there is eternal significance. Your mindset as a carpet layer or a teacher or a doctor or a ditch digger, if you are called to do that thing, it counts for eternity. You say you don't, I, if you're questioning that, is that really true? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I love this. In fact, Pastor Bobby printed off some notes to, of a study that he did on this. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 22, 23, and 24 is the kicker here. Look at what it says. 23, whatever you do, this is similar to what we've said, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord or for, yeah, from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We are serving the Lord, and what I just read there is that there are rewards, earthly and eternal, that when we do a good job, when we work as unto Him, that God is going to bless us. See, you could attend every service here at the Gateway Church, have perfect attendance throughout the whole year. And we, we watch our attendance. I don't know if you guys know that. And uh, it's kind of funny. How many people last summer had perfect attendance? Do you remember? We, were, we counted that. There were like eight people that had, that had perfect attendance, including my family. We weren't here uh, uh, 100% of the time. And, but, uh, so eight, but you could have perfect attendance. You could connect with a small group. You could be in a connect group and not miss a, a time. You could volunteer in the nursery and change diapers or volunteer across the lakeshore in some sort of way. But if you fail as an employee, you're missing a huge area of your life to be a witness. But if you give 100%, God, he's going to reward you, even if it's difficult to do so. You are working for the Lord. I want you to say this. Say it to yourself. Say it under your breath, and then we're going to kind of say it a couple times. Say, I am working for the Lord. 
I'm working for the Lord. Let's say it together. I am working for the Lord. And the reality is when we do that, there are results or there are rewards that come. So the question, and Pastor Bob, you can come, is how are you doing at your job? Are you a faithful employee? Do you do good work day in and day out? Are you dependable? Are you honest? This past week, I was uh, had the privilege of interviewing a bunch of high school students. It was kind of mock interviews, getting them ready for jobs. And I uh, did it through a homeschool group this week and uh, really enjoyed it. I interviewed five students. And as I interviewed them, I described that they were interviewing as if they were applying for a job here at the Gateway Church. That was kind of the mindset. And I said, look, if you were going to work here at the Gateway Church, part of our culture, something we teach in leadership, is the extra mile idea found in Scripture. That if someone asks you to carry a bag for one mile, you go two miles, right? Are you guys familiar? We've, we've talked about that in leadership and different things. And so I shared that with these students to say, hey, this is important, the extra mile principle. And really, I believe as believers, that should be our mindset no matter what we do. We go above and beyond. We give a little bit more because of what God has done inside of us. But if you show up or call in sick when you're not and someone knows, or if you cheat or cut corners or are stealing from the company, you say, well, I've never stole, or, or let's say you fabricate your mileage report, or you're not completely truthful with your expenses. If you work less than 40 hours when you're required to do so on a regular basis, or if you take extended breaks and aren't the first one back, or if you're not back on time, I want you to understand that that is hurting your testimony. It's important. How are you doing with your work? If you're good, if you're doing a great job, I want you to see this, your mindset, that you are preaching a sermon with your actions. Your work is unto the Lord, and people, they'll notice. But if you're not, in some way, and maybe the Holy Spirit's kind of convicting you this morning, I just want you to know this morning that it would be appropriate to ask for forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me. Change my heart. Help me, Lord. And with that, I want to pray. And then we're going to talk about this just for a quick second. Lord, I pray that you are doing something supernatural in our hearts. Lord, for some, I understand that this is probably just an encouragement, something that, they've, that we've understood and have practiced. For others that have struggled with employment in and out of a job or, or uh, can't seem to understand or can't respect their employer, God, I pray that you would help 
in those circumstances. God, that we would be people with a biblical work ethic, that you would help us to be strong in this area. Lord, I pray that you would just mold us and shape us, encourage us to do what's right, to go the extra mile, even when it's tough. And God, we know that you reward us when we do so. And so, Lord, we ask for your help in these things. In Jesus' name. I want to kind of talk about a couple things here. Number one is, uh, I want to give you an opportunity. When I think about this, it's really, I believe, Jesus' desire for us to be good employees and uh, to be Christ-honoring. But there may be someone here this morning that says, you know what? I can't represent Christ because I don't have Christ inside me. I don't, I've, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to give you that opportunity. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There is a gift for you of salvation. That if you don't know with certainty that you would, if you were to die, that you would spend an eternity with the Lord, that's the first step to being a great employee is to having Jesus inside your heart, right? So if you're here this morning, I'm just going to ask that you would just keep your eyes open and just as a sign saying, you know what? I need the Lord. The Bible says if you are ashamed before men, um, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. So this morning, if you're ready to give your heart to the Lord or come back to Him and restore that relationship, who this morning would just respond saying, I need the Lord. I need Jesus inside of me. Anyone at all? First service here? Yeah, thank you. Who else this morning? Say, I need to get my life right, back on track with God. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so you're not alone. Anyone else? And that's where I am today. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. Church, I just want to pause here for a second. I, said, I leaned over to Pastor Pete when we were singing that song, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit song, uh, Let Us Be Aware of Your Presence. And I just had this overwhelming sense that there are some serious needs within our body that only the presence of God can help. And I want you to put yourself in this mindset leading up to Easter, we've got three weeks away till Easter, it's really early this year, that there are people in your life that need the message of the gospel. And we've got two here that are going to respond and we're going to pray for them here in a moment. But listen, these seats that are empty need to be full of unbelievers. And we have a job to do to help be an example at work and so on and so forth. But let's pray. Let's pray this miracle prayer. And uh, it's, I know both of you guys, it's more of a recommitment. And uh, that's so healthy that when we feel like we've fallen or that we've struggled to just have a soft heart towards God. Amen? But let's, let's encourage these two. Let's say this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Make my heart clean. I want to serve you, and I want to live for you. Help me every day. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, this is kind of what I pictured at the end here. And help me out here. I want to talk to those that are the master, the boss, because we really didn't address that in the scripture today. But to provide a place of respect, to be trustworthy, to be full of integrity. And, uh, and I know many of you own your own businesses or are working for yourself, and uh, boy, that's, that's so critical. Uh, Pastor Pete, when you owned your uh, roofing business, you did that for most of those years as unto the Lord, and, and God honored that, and he blessed that. And uh, I just can't underestimate that uh, for masters, for those that are, are providing work for others, to provide a place uh, where, where God can really move. I also want to talk to those that are here that you say, you know, man, I don't work yet or I'm not, I don't have a job. And I know there's a few students and maybe others here. I want you to see that these principles work even at school. In your school that you would be uh, honoring God by the work that you do, that you're showing up and not blowing things off, right? It's the same principle. Or if you're serving on a sports team or some, some way that you would give your best, you, you, everything you do, right? Everything you do, you do it for the glory of God. For those that are retired, whatever you do, you do it for God's glory. And so whatever that means in your context, I, want, I just want to give this picture that this can apply to every single person here. And then with that, I want us to stand, and I want us to close by praying one for another. And I want us to get in some small groups, maybe three or four, let's say five at the most. And I want you to pray for each other. And this is the language I want you to use as you pray for one another. And we've got time to do this. I want you to pray that God would help us live out the mission. To live out the mission to connect with God, to connect with each other, connect with the world in our work, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our families, whatever we would do, that we do it all for the glory of God. So let's stand and let's just kind of migrate. You can, might, might need to slip out of the, uh, the aisles. If you don't know someone that's sitting next to you, introduce yourself. And uh, for those that consider this your regular place of worship, make sure no one is left alone here, okay? So grab someone, drag them along, and we're just going to pray, and we're just going to take a second, and, and then I will close in prayer, and then we'll greet. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Begin, just begin to pray over each other that God would do a mighty, mighty work as we live out the mission as we work as unto God, as we're making a difference, oh God, whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. Lord, have your way. Praise your name, God. Lord, we lift our friends up, our families up, our kids up to you. Give us a work ethic, a biblical work ethic to do what you've called us to do, to be an example. Oh, God, I pray. Lord, and for those that are retired, those that are winding down, maybe, encourage them that whatever they do, 
It'd be for your glory, for your honor. Whether they're working or around Christians or non-Christians, it doesn't matter. With full respect, God, that your hand would be upon us, that we would honor you. Give us this picture that others would see you through us. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Just going to give you a few more seconds, maybe 30 more seconds to finish praying, then we'll pray something together. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We're living out a mission. Oh, God, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just a few more seconds. Hallelujah, God. Lord, anoint our hands. Anoint our feet for your glory, for your honor. Jesus' name. Now, hallelujah. If I could just have you repeat this after me from the front to the back. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, help me to be your witness, to be a light in a dark world. Help others to see my resolve To work is unto you, Lord, no matter what. And God will give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. And Lord, I pray that as we leave here momentarily, that you go before us, behind us, and all around us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Turn and greet one another as you go. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Amen.